You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Auto D show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and this evening my guest is Arizona-based actress Mercedes Peterson, who has also worked as a production assistant and show host. We'll be talking to her about her career to date and what's in the works for uh, her coming up soon. So when we chat right after this tune, we'll get some answers. Here's a cut from Fervor Records called Mango Kush by Moonwalker here on the Auto D Show. Check it out. Coming at you live. 
Hey, everybody, that was Mango Kush by uh, Moonwalker here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you tonight in part by my good friends at Fervor Records and also by TheRecordingArtist.com, where every Wednesday evening I record bands live online while you watch. You can even participate via live chat if you want. To learn more, visit TheRecordingArtist.com and be sure to watch our companion show on Amazon Prime called The Recording Artist. We're having a ton of fun with it. And tonight, uh, we're going to have a ton of fun, too, chatting with the charming and talented Mercedes Peterson. Hey, Mercedes, how are you doing? Hey, Otto. You have such a great radio voice. Oh, gosh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. And thanks for coming in. You, we had a tight schedule today. You just walked in the door just in time. <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I was flying through my music going, oh, my, i got to find something about five minutes longer to play so I can buy some time. <laughs> I was uh, happy to see you coming around the corner. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, as you jumped in the hot seat, you, you said to me, what are we going to talk about? I said, who knows? You know, and we played the song. So now we're going to find out. And so first I wanted to say that, uh, you know, people primarily know you as an actress in town, but you also have done a lot of production work, assistant production work, I believe, on one film on your IMDb uh, page, at least you've got a producer credit as well. And that was a for a movie called Bloodthirst. Yeah, and that was the first time I ever did that. In fact, you know, it's funny about that group of people. People buy their way into film now. So now I'm against people with money as well of talent. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> and that was the first time I had ever heard of such a thing. I had never heard of that before. And so I actually bought my way into that film, Bloodthirst, which got me into with the group, which was a great experience because they came to realize that I could do production work as well. And so mm -hmm. then they paid me to be behind the scenes. So it ended up being a really beneficial thing to my career, which I did not see coming. You right. know what I mean? I, I totally do. And how much do you like being on that side of the camera? You know what? I do prefer being in front of the camera because there's a lot of dynamic to it, but the creativity is there. And I think whenever you're used to that creative side, it doesn't matter where you stand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love being behind the camera, in front of the camera, as long as I'm creating art. The thing about being in front of the camera, it's more diverse. And there's a very simplistic, beautiful thing about entering to a, a different character and bringing that character life. It's just unfathomable where yeah. you get to go and the depths that you get to take them as yeah. a character. And so it's just a different dynamic. But I do love costuming and all production work. You'll see me on set and I will be running my ass off. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, you, yes, you can. <laughs> but people are like, dang, how much weight did you lose on the set? Because you were everywhere. <laughs> I, would, I usually lose about 10 pounds per set. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and I act the same on a set as I do when I do costuming too. So generally they hire me for costuming and as an actress as well. So that's mm -hmm. a great experience to do both. Well, that'll keep you pretty busy. Yeah, it does. Now I've, I've enjoyed watching some of your film work uh, and your reels are wonderful. And I want to talk a little bit about those, but um, I think before I actually saw any of your film work, uh, I, we had met at a couple industry things, but then um, our friend Bill Connor wanted to do a film. His first film as a writer and, and producer and he needed a, he posted that he needed a house with a bedroom and a living room and maybe an outdoor thing. And I said, Bill, you can do it at my house. So he came up and, and you were on that project as a production assistant and you were in the, the film as well. I as believe. an actress. Yeah. yeah. And so watching you, I felt that watching you uh, work 
uh, as the production assistant or assistant director. I'm not sure exactly sure what your title was in that particular. I did everything. I AD. Yeah, you kind of do a little of everything. Yeah. Yeah, anything that needs done on set, I'm there for it because low budget. You have all these missing slots that aren't filled, and <laughs> yeah. and then you have to have people who are willing to fill them, who know what they're doing and doing it well. Well, you were it was I was impressed to see you in that in that role because you're demure, you know, you you aren't six feet tall. <laughs> uh, you come in and you started barking orders and telling people to shut up and blah blah because you knew what was happening and you just took control of the role as you should in in the position you were in. And I thought, oh, I wanted this girl's going to work for me. You know, because uh, you really, you really had your act together there, and then to to see you on the other side of the camera, though, to look at your work, uh, you've got some some really really great stuff. And I think uh, there's a particular cut. I'm not sure which film it's from, mm-hmm. but uh, on your um, IMDb page, it's or even on your website. I don't remember where I found it, but it's it represents your dramatic role. Yes. And what movie was that from? Do you recall what I'm talking about? You know, yeah, it's the human trafficking. That's right. Yeah, I played Zoe and What a what a scene. Oh my gosh, the director was so into it that he forgot to yell cut. And we just went forever. He let me bawl my eyes out and I let it all out and it was so funny because we needed two more takes from two different angles. <laughs> and I just let it all out and I was like, "Dude, I have no more tears tears left. You let me go too long." He's like, "I am so sorry." But it was so good. <laughs> he was like, "I felt like I was on HBO right now." <laughs> it was outrageous. It was so great though. And The big thing about those scenes, though, you want somebody who captures them well because if you don't capture them well, you lose the essence of those moments that are so deep and so dark. And he he is a genius at catching those moments. And the crappy thing is, is once it gets in that editing bay, it's make or break. Yeah. So well, since you're giving him props, let's let's use a name, too. Um, Jay Dyer. He's in Dallas, Texas. He's great. He's amazing. And he has actually captured moments that he put this blinking light behind me and it didn't put it on me. It was behind me. Mm -hmm. And it created a darkness that you can't fill as an actress. It allowed the light to fill the darkness within you. Mm -hmm. And I really love that he can captivate the essence of your character and pull it forward just because of the dynamic around you. And that is the kind of ADDP people that you want on set with you because otherwise it is wasted. And I cannot tell you how many times I have wasted my talent on set because it is make or break on those angles and then the editing bay. I mean, it is just disappointing sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what did they do? I just want to be written out at that uh, point. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I get that, I think. And, and it's interesting because the scene you're talking about, and I would recommend everybody find you on IMDb, Mercedes, Peterson, and check out that dramatic reel so you understand what we're talking about. I saw the light in the back. It's almost like almost like a fluorescent light that's flickering. Yes. But but it's not in the ceiling. It's on kind of on the wall, and it's not quite flickering as much as a bad fluorescent light. But that bounce created in the, of the light created the the I'm breaking down. This doesn't work anymore. It's an old rundown place, you know. And we're here. Yes. And it gave a dreary kind of uh, uh, not scary, but but. <clears throat> Just a, a dark, solemn feeling to the space without you having to fill that, 
with everything else you're doing, just like you said. And that's pretty pretty cool that he thought of that or pulled that off. Otherwise, the shot could have felt pretty static and it would have been 100% on you. Yeah. But with that, it, it magnified what you were doing. I think in a way it kind of made a little, little, you didn't have to give it all every moment. You could let your dynamic move, you know. Well, the beautiful part about that is whenever you have a lighting around you like that, you can feel the fact that this very dark person wants to be lit she wants to find that light it's like the dark tunnel and you can you can feel the light on you as if it's right there within your grasp but you can't break down that wall to get there and so lighting is very important on set i get chills whenever i say that out loud because it's so important and the people around you can feed you energy when i left that set people were like I had to step up my acting beyond the limitations that I even thought were possible from me. And so that, as an actress, to bring forth that kind of energy, it's exhausting, but it's so fulfilling. And that's why being in front of the camera is so more fulfilling for me because that is a part of me that I like to touch base. I love to bring those characters and go deep and far. And and my acting instructor, whenever I used to have him around it was funny because i'd go so dark and so deep he would literally come up in front of me the one thing he taught me very very well was to leave that character on camera and to stop taking it home with me because they were so interesting that i would take them home with me and little pieces of them would start going into my normal life and he came up to me and clapped in front of my face he goes you're mercedes you're mercedes you're mercedes you're mercedes and i had to pull myself out because he was giving these dark dark characters and i i became entrapped in them i loved them they were interesting and they pushed me further than my normal life would and once i developed that habit and that appreciation for leaving them on camera suddenly i could go to depths that I never knew were possible. I got myself drunk. I've never drank a day in my life, Otto. Not a single day, but I have an observation of people. Very, very deep observation of people. And it was the first time in my life where I pushed myself further mentally than I had ever done. I had gotten myself so drunk by just impersonating drunk people that my friends literally drove me home because they were too scared to let me drive. And they put me to bed, and I woke up the next morning with no recollection as to how I got there. And I called my friends, and I was like, how the heck did I get home? And why is my car in the driveway? I don't remember driving myself home. They were like, Mercedes, you were so drunk. We did not know what to do with you. We had never seen you like that before. And you were just impersonating a drunk person. And suddenly I realized what my acting instructor was saying, that even if you have not experienced something of your own fruition and your own interpretation from that experience, it is possible to say a word in your in your mind and you can go to those depths without ever actually experiencing it for yourself because you know from other people's experiences that that is there within you. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I knew the power of the mind and where I could go. Wow. It was pretty incredible. Now, how long ago was that? That was back in... It would have been 2005. Okay. And was that your first film? First big Oh, film? that film that I did, Zoe, that that was just a few years ago. It's about 5 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 4. So, not that long ago. But yeah, so in in the works now, next year I'll have Arena Wars. Arena Wars is my 
my really big one that's going to come out next year in 2022, hopefully. Bloodthirst is definitely coming out in 2022. Well, you've got you've got a bunch of them <laughs> scheduled for 2022. Yeah. So you've been a you've been a busy a busy bee. But uh, let's let's since you mentioned um, the uh, oh gosh, I'm just, Arena Wars. Since you mentioned that, tell me a little bit about that and and how what what you're doing for the project and how you got involved. Well, Arena Wars was really cool because. My director calls me up and he's like, hey, Mercedes, do you still have those dreads? Those dreads that you wear in your hair? I was like, hell yeah, I got those dreads. He's like, can you do those for Domino in Arena Wars? I said, yes, I can. <laughs> you, Yeah, so Arena Wars allowed me to be able to push the limitations on wardrobe, costuming, and character building on the outside, which is really unusual because usually they want these very normal people that you meet in real life not these extreme characters and so that was my first extreme character that I got to push the limitations to and she got to wear these cool dreads and I did them all different ways every day she had her dreads a different way it was cool I did all kinds of things with her dreads and her outfits and I did costuming for arena wars as well so that one's gonna be really cool it's nice that characters can coincide with being on set and doing costuming it works really well because i have to pay attention to detail anyway while Mm -hmm. i'm there in character and so with domino she was this badass fighter back in the day and then the belladonna took her from the arena and made him his pet basically and she did whatever he told him to do and so throughout the film they take this medicine that puts them under into a trance and all of them do what they're supposed to do. Domino starts going against the grain. She stops taking the trance. And she slowly but surely comes out into realization that she's not living a real life anymore. And that she's been told by Domino, I mean by Belladonna, everything that she's been doing and what she's been doing, she's just now realizing. So throughout most of the film, she's very dead. Mm-hmm. Very, very dead. She has no reactions to anything. And then suddenly something flips a switch. And it's really cool. It's such a cool film. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. It's going to be really cool. And the the graphics in it are going to be extreme. I know that one's going to take a while to edit for sure. Where, where was it shot? This was shot in... Oh, we were in Las Vegas for that one. Okay. Yeah. Bloodthirst was... Is, it, is, a, lot of, uh, is a lot of Arena Wars shot outside or was it on sets? On sets. Yeah, it was cool. So tell me about that, because I'm imagining some pretty elaborate sets. Oh, it was really good. We built a set inside of a a massive warehouse during half of it. All the fights take place in this warehouse, and then the office medical scenes take place in the warehouse. And they had some really cool set design done by uh, Joel. Oh, what's his last name? I'm having a mind fart right now. But um, I'll have to look that up. Hold on. I I would feel terrible. He is so good at set design. Right. He's great. He pays attention to detail. Uh, he just he knows how to put something together, and he knows how to do it really well. And so with this, we did two of the four sets. Yeah, four sets within that massive building, and mm-hmm. he built all of it from the ground up. That's pretty cool. He's amazing. And so then we were in the v- Venetian Hotel. Right. We rented the Venetian Hotel. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And so, um, oh no, the Luxor. The Luxor. All right. And so, you know, the Luxor actually generally costs $35,000 a day. But during uh, 
during COVID, they gave him a deal, like a steal of a deal. And we're talking Michael Madsen in this one, Robert Lazardo, and brain fart i just need to look it up <laughs> that's gonna be great though what a movie joel spencer joel okay. spencer yeah, yeah, yeah. is the art design guy yeah. and he's fabulous i have to look up arena wars now because i'm like i'm having a brain fart but the one that comes out really soon mm-hmm. lionsgate actually has confirmed it it is being released in april 2022 and i star opposite tara reed so that really? is really cool congratulations yeah. on that one. now which one is that <laughs> That one's Bloodthirst. Bloodthirst, okay. Yep, that's the one that comes out April 2022. Okay, well, that sounds pretty exciting. Do you play uh, Bloodthirst? Are you a killer or someone a killer, or is it a vampire movie? I am a vampire. Are you? Yep. You are a vampire. I'm a vampire, and I'm Tara Reed's psychic the whole time, and we got some funny jokes in there, and we've got all kinds of really cool dynamics. So they get, it's a horror film, but... Don't give it all away. I know, it's a horror <laughs> film, but it's cool because it has underlying biblical connotations in it and Mm -hmm. it's just like this brotherly love it's like a a new kind of envision on satan versus god Mm -hmm. the good and the bad the evil and the good and so it's a very interesting film it was very well written but you know the actors they took it to a whole new level a whole new level. That's got to be kind of special when you get the script, you get through it, and you have a preconceived notion of what's going to happen. Then you get there and you see what other people are doing or in your scenes where they're going and it inspires you or surprises you. Yes. And you find that you're going to do, you do it a little differently than you'd planned. Yes. And that happens a lot. And so when you get on set with a bunch of people who aren't really actors, so a lot of people bought their way into that. Right. And actually I bought my way into that as well at, you know, at first it was funny because I was upgraded in my role. Mm-hmm. So whenever people meet you, they're like, okay, she's reliable. She can push these limitations and we can do more with this. They'll, you know, you go from being extra to a featured extra, or you go from being a featured extra into a main role. And that's what happened to me. But it was a huge blessing to get on that set because then I ended up being paid for, you know, arena wars and, mm-hmm. And everything else, so you just never know where things will take you. That's you never well, really and know. And these aren't even out, and no. so you don't know where they're going to take you once they're out either. With a little bit of success, right? Because you know, on once knowing you and seeing you on the set is one thing, but seeing you on the big screen is going that's going to happen to a lot more people than yeah. people who have been in the room with you watching you work. So a lot of opportunity can come from that. I sure hope so. I mean, I'm just on this road, and I've been on this road for a long time. I mean. I've had to come and go. 2005 was your first film or no? Well, 2005 I did um, a film called Larva. They changed it to Morph Man. It was a sci-fi film. It was starring Vincent Ventresca and William Forsythe. Oh, wow. Which is really ironic because I literally just saw William Forsythe for the first time since 2005. I was asked to join them at DeadCon out in Illinois. And there was William Forsythe. And he's like, my son and I just watched that film. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is so ironic that we were like, we were side by side during our filming and our signings. It was so hilarious. I was like, no flipping way. So I went over there and talked to him. He's like, yeah, I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Because we had some funny moments. So Vincent Ventresco gave me so much shit on set. And it was so funny because I was in the gym Later on that night off a set, and William 
Vincent Vitresca comes up behind me. He goes, Mercedes. And I was like, Vincent. And we we sat on the bicycle machine together. <laughs> side by side. But he was so cool because he was he played the invincible man on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So he was a great person. He has a great family value. And it showed me a whole different side of Hollywood. He said, I asked him a couple times. I was like, how come you never blew up and did all, take every role that came your way? He was like, because my family comes number one. And it gave me a really different perspective. And even though I wanted to blow up, I, I did value family. I did want everything. And it's a lot harder to have family after you blow up. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that I have my kids prior to blowing up, but I hope that I, I do blow up. I <laughs> hope that it becomes a big thing because yeah. I want to show my girls that this is possible to do dreams backwards. Mm-hmm. Most people say, you know, you have to conquer your dreams and then you can have a family. Well, I just, I wanted my family to be my best friends. My girls, they're, they're absolutely my best friends and I want to show them that that's possible to have it all. I really mm-hmm. do. That's so. cool. How did you get into the business? Where did it start for you? Oh, I mean, was it like a school play or what happened? I was six years old and I was driving down the road with my mom and I would always make her laugh. And I said, Mom, I think I want to be an actress. She said, Mercedes, you're the funniest flipping person I know and you should definitely be an actress. (laughs) And I was like, but I don't know if I'm going to do comedies. And she was like, you got to do comedies. (laughs) And I have yet to do a flipping comedy. Oh, really? <laughs> I go around funny. making people laugh everywhere I go. I make them smile. And it's my favorite thing to do. And yet I haven't done a comedy because I can cry on cue. And right. I can do these deep, dark, you know, characters that take you to places that well, are scary. That's true. But on also in your IMDb page, there's another reel that starts with a, with a lighthearted relationship, a conversation. Oh, yeah. That's a life and, of choose. That was and, a good one. Yeah. Because in that, uh, your co-star, co-partner you know, partner in that scene... Um, you're you're just you're the one who's kind of lighthearted in the moment, and then you asked him to to, to dance or do something, and he, and he, he does jumps this preaching. And, yeah, <laughs> preaching. That's what it was. So he jumps up and does that. And then you're you just you're waiting. Amen, to, brother. And, Amen. And you look totally like you weren't acting. You were just watching him and enjoying it. So it was it was very natural for you to have fun in the scene. You that know? was a great movie to make. Yeah. I was down in Louisiana and we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I was just surrounded by all these nice Southern people. And it was great. <laughs> I loved it down there. And it was beautiful, great people to work with. And we were in a racial relationship. So it was something that was really cool. And I actually become an antagonist in that film. And I'm the one that kind of pushes him. I'm trying to push him away from Christ and he's trying to draw near. So Mm -hmm. that was really great because it's funny because I went from that Christian film straight to whore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, where's my in-between, man? Where's my in-between? Who needs it? I know. Who needs it? Well, you also just did a nice little Southern draw on your voice. Yes. So how do you feel about uh, about that? Is that a lot of effort or is it natural for you to gravitate toward different voices? Oh, it's definitely natural. Yeah. I, for me, sometimes I have to look at, listen to an accent or I have to listen to something. But it is very natural and I love doing it. It's pretty mm-hmm. fun. In fact, it was so funny because I went to a party and I played a living table. I don't know if you've ever seen the tables that move around, but you can put them on your hips and you can move everywhere with the table. And they dress me up as this big 
oh, what is it called? Like casino chick with big feathers and stuff, mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, uh, right. you know. And it was so cool because I did a nice southern draw like this and I talked real high like this and everybody was just like, do I know you from somewhere? I was like, I don't think so. I think I'd remember your face. <laughs> and it was just like so much fun. So I think I think that whenever you do an accent, it's cool because it takes you to different characters and different places in your brain that you didn't know you could go because Mm -hmm. whenever I bring out those accents I'm a totally different person as you can see in front of me I mean they can't see me but it 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 makes you move differently it makes you sound feel and express things differently so it is quite interesting to study accents and and bring that part of it to life but not a lot of people can go to that place and realize mm-hmm. that that place can take you somewhere completely different but right. it does have you ever had a role where they asked you to do an accent where you needed a vocal coach no not yet i would love to though mm-hmm. i would love to let's go back to six years old that's when you knew you were, what you were going to do and your mom said yes yeah so uh what what did you do first did you take acting classes when you were young or did you get into school plays or what did you do so whenever i was younger we went Community through a theater. lot theater um, I did a, uh, so my very first experience, it was in high school, actually. I mean, I did a lot of stuff before that, just being silly and whatnot, entertaining my mom and my family. But in high school, I actually did a dramatic reel called Glass Marbles, and I won first place. And that was my first time ever doing anything at all. And my mom, I came home and I was like, she goes, how did you do? And I was like, oh, I won first place. And she was like, oh boy, here it goes. <laughs> like, this is it. And it was, it was, it was the moment whenever it became an addiction before it was a passion. And I knew that was what I was supposed to do in life. And then it became an addiction where I had to like go to those places, those dark places. It was a pretty dark monologue. I played a young girl who, whose parents died. And at the end, I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm in eighth grade performing this. Oh, ninth grade. It was ninth grade. And it was interesting because my mom was just like, I cannot believe you can go there so easily. But I have a very dramatic beginning of life. You know, my dad was an alcoholic drug addict. That's why I've never touched either one of them. And he would beat my mom after every day at work. My mom would go to work every day and he would beat my mother. And when I was four years old, my mom and my dad filed for divorce. But my dad stole us twice, us kids, and went into hiding. And I remember these things. And my mom wishes so much that I didn't remember any of these things, but it allowed me to become the exact opposite type of person than he was. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very grateful for those moments in my life that contributed to the person that I am. But also, it helps me to go to those dark places very easily, very easily, because we had a lot of things. We were homeless. We were literally homeless living in a van um, for a good while in California. So... It allows me to be able to tap into those moments and utilize those real tears. Nobody has to give me tears, Otto. Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. When you need them, you got them. I got them. They're so easy to conjure up. It's fascinating, actually. And I had this young boy on set, and I put him in that mind frame. And it was so funny because afterwards, he's like, how did you do that? I was like, because your brain just took you somewhere where you didn't know that you could be. And... If you allow 
a different life to become your reality, all of a sudden you can go places that you never knew you've been. But we've all been there. We've all watched these movies. We've been there. And people think that acting is fake, but actually it's conjuring up real life in the moment at the moment very organically. And that's the beauty about acting. And that's what we love about it so much. And that's why it becomes so addictive. (laughs) And I think that's why people who aren't even, um, or aren't in the business or certainly aren't actors can watch a movie and go, that guy can't act. <laughs> and and then they can go. This person's really great. I mean, they can feel the difference between they can someone who's <laughs> who's captivating you with their story and somebody who's like he's just reading cardboard and that's off camera. You can just tell he's like not even there. Yeah, you know, so. there's a very big difference. That doesn't mean you can do it, but you can still feel it. Right. You, you know? know what's funny is that I just recently did Silent Hill, and it's a fan film, and it. He has won all these awards. I won Best Actress at one of the festivals. And, and it's so funny because the audience interpretation is very different than an actor's interpretation. Because the audience is like, man, I wish so much she would have played Maria. I played two characters. I played like a kind of a, a computerized AI version because this is his fascination. He conjured up this character and and basically put his wife into this very elaborated character that he brought to life himself. And then he has his real wife. And so I played this real wife, like a real person who's dying of cancer. And then I played the other character, like an AI character, very flat. And I wish so much I would have taken her to a real life character, very sensual and with expression, because I didn't realize that world where she was the sexual being in there and she wasn't she wasn't more like ai she wasn't more flat but that's that's the thing that's the thing about acting is like you have to do your homework and whenever you have a random thing like that i had it was a random project thrown in my lap last minute hey we're filming in two days and i looked up all this stuff about it but i didn't know i never played the game Mm-hmm. So when I listened to her talk in the clips and all the things that were online, she was very flat, very monotone. She was not very expressive. But the interpretation that the gamers have on her, she's very sexual, very suggestive. And I wish so much I would have taken her that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, But isn't there also a director who's kind of responsible for that? That's right. So <laughs> that's the thing. And we loved it on set. Everybody loved it on set. And so that's the, that's the thing is that you have to work together and you have to understand the logistics and help one another out to understand certain things too because, yeah, he wrote it. So he knew where it, she should have been. Right. And so that was my misinterpretation because I only got to watch the clips. I didn't play the game. So as an actress, you do have that responsibility, and it's sure. a big responsibility, and it's a big burden that we carry on our shoulders for sure. And I would think that since since he wrote it and knew what he wanted and knew exactly what he was expecting and didn't bring that out of you, yeah, he must have been taken with what you were doing. He was. In fact, they said after one of the scenes, man, that's the trailer that's the trailer (laughs) and so it's very beautiful and very simplistic and and with no expression so i wanted her to be very disconnected from everybody else right right and and have no expression and be this computerized person that he brought to life right because i feel like society 
brings these women who have big boobs, big butt, and all these things, they're looking for a computerized person that is perfect. And none of us are like that. And so I made her perfect. I made her not Mm -hmm. sexual, Mm -hmm. not expressive. She was just perfect. And what is perfect? It's freaking boring, Otto. (laughs) It's so boring. And that's what I did with her. I interpreted her the way that I saw perfection. And then you had Mary, who's very much imperfect. She's dying. And their scene at the end of that movie is just so taking. It's captivating. It's beautiful. And he smothers her with a pillow to help her go on to the next life. It's such a beautiful moment because it's so heartbreaking at the same time. So that one is Silent Hill, Restless Dreams. Yeah. That is, went to this. It's a short film. Yeah. Went to the festival. So can people find that online to check that out? They can. Yeah. Yeah. It has over 60,000 views right now. So it it went very, very viral. And so it was very disappointing for me (laughs) because people didn't understand their interpretation. That's not what I meant. (laughs) So let me get on a couple others while while we're talking because we've got, uh, we're over half of our time. Dang. It's going by so fast. Yeah, and so, you know, we talked about you haven't done comedy, but you've got a few names of movies here that I'm unfamiliar with that could be comedies. Maybe they are. We've got Staycation, which could be a funny film. Uh, we have The Good and Evil, The Good and Evil, which could be, but it's probably not. We have Arachnado 2. That one's a comedy. Flaming Spiders. Yeah, it's a horror comedy, I guess. Yeah. My role isn't com- comedic comedic at all she was a doctor (laughs) okay and now also coming out in 2022 you besides staycation and the good and evil is also forever a day so tell me you were in fact you were a vampire in vampire penance which is out now um coming out no that one hasn't been made yet that one's going to be in the making in 2022 oh hopefully yeah well, have you done any writing on any of these, or is writing something you, you're going to get into, or where are you at with that? Yeah, you know what? I am a great writer. It's so funny. I'm very poetic in my writing and very descriptive. I write how I speak, mm-hmm. so I I am very good at that. In fact, I want to actually write my story and, and put those things into words so that I can actually star in it. That would be great. I just, it's funny. You have to have the time to yeah. put forth into that. And it takes time, it like does. everything. And the thing is, you have to have direction. And mm-hmm. so for me, I have so much going through my brain. And I'm like, man, how come I cannot find that direction? I'm like, what is the main gist of this story? And where are we going with it? That's the thing about writing that's so genius. Whenever people come up with a story, I'm like, gosh, how did you do that? How yeah. did you get there? So we'll see. We'll see. So have you ever turned down a film that afterward you wished you hadn't? Um, You know what? I think everything has its reasonings. I have turned down, well, just recently I was offered a role, but I didn't know that they were offering me a role. They were very nonchalant about it. And now all of a sudden I'm having to audition. (laughs) So, you know, he was like, yeah, I did offer you the role. And I was like, "Uh, I think that was kind of like a nonchalant way of saying that you were offering me a role. (laughs) So we'll see. It's cool because it's like a steampunk character. So I could actually take Domino from Arena Wars and pair it with more a steampunk way. And that could be a really cool character. I want to take her her costuming and incorporate it into that. And I have to make photos and create a costuming for her. Do you prefer to shoot on set outside or, or in, or in uh, stage built sets? So built sets are very much controlled. So whenever we were on set of Bloodthirst or 
Yes. Oh, Tommy knockers, Tommy knockers. We were freezing our rear ends off. We all had like six layers of clothing and I play a harlot in that one. It was so freaking funny because people would come to me and be like, do you think I could get one more layer underneath my clothing? I was like, um, I'm dressed in a freaking, uh, corset a short skirt and barely any clothes at all and you want another layer to your six layers of clothing i don't think you have any room to complain and there's like hail outside and it's windy it's like 60 mile per hour wind it was 40 to 60 it was crazy days some days we were just absolutely nuts and we were inside these places that didn't have heat or air conditioning so it's so much more controlled indoors and you don't have to worry about the bad sound. We have to incorporate lighting. There's a lot of like overblown shots that they have to redo lighting within it in post. And we hate those words. We hate those words. Fix it in post. Oh, I know. And you know what? I do a lot of that for, for some directors um, that bring me stuff and I and turn day to night, you know, outside yeah. and all kinds of crazy things. Make, make, Make this room as though it's at night. Don't let any light come through the windows and make that lamp shine on her feet. Yeah. I'm like, but none of that's happening. It's like, well, just can you do that? It's like, yes, I can do that. It's going to take me a few hours, frame by frame. Exactly. Drawing everything and then trying to see if it looks, how real it looks and how long it's on the screen. I mean, it's like, yeah, in the end, who cares if in the end you can make it cool? Make it cool in the beginning. Right. Then you, then you know you've got it. And in fact, it takes you less time to light that set and block the windows and shoot it right, then it will to add it and create all those effects and fix the scene every time. Exactly. So, you know, you might as well get closer, I think, uh, on camera uh, when you're shooting. Yeah. So, you know, it's great to be outside and outdoors, but it's hard to fix those moments whenever they're overblown lighting or the wind or too is much blowing. Wind, yeah, yeah, it just, stuff a it lot just of times. sucks. But, yeah. you know, but it is great to be outdoors and explore where you're at. And well, how about works. locations? What, what towns have you been to that uh, you maybe you never would have gone to that you got to film in? Louisiana. That, that was the first time I'd ever been to Louisiana. I love Baton Rouge. It was beautiful. I'd never been to Yucca Valley, California. It was gorgeous there. And I got to explore Big Bear around that area, and it was mm-hmm. beautiful. I'd never been there before. I actually had never stayed in Las Vegas. I got to explore all of Las Vegas, and we were in a small little mining town outside of Las Vegas that was really cool. And we got to go in the tunnels underneath the ground, and it was just really cool. You know, you get to explore and do all these really awesome things whenever you're an actress but or on crew, and you get to explore the different places, but... You're working 16-hour days, and it's funny because you would think that you would be tired and you wouldn't want to explore, but it's such a high whenever you're on set. Whenever it's you're, an adre- it can be an adrenaline rush. It's a lot of adrenaline pumping through you. It's crazy. Whenever you're doing what you love and you're meant to do in this life, suddenly it's not work. It's a dream, mm-hmm. and you're living and breathing it. Mm-hmm. Now, you've had an opportunity to work with some pretty big names in the business. We've already named a few of these actors and actresses. Uh, have you had downtime on set with them? Absolutely. Where, where, and then have, have how have they been, do they tend to be, from a Meisner point of view, uh, stay in character and don't talk to you? Or do they take that opportunity to kind of recognize, they may have, they may have a nugget of, of knowledge that they can share that you, that you might benefit from and they take that opportunity. What happens? Oh, I love it. We just shoot the shit. We really do. It's like such a beautiful moment whenever you have downtime. But as costume coordinator, actress, you get a lot of time with them and they're super personal, most of them. And so one of them, it was funny, I won't name names, but he, uh, 
we were just talking about life and everything and suddenly oh everybody on set and i go into costume wardrobe mode right and i'm like shoot stand up i'm gonna fix your belt because it was falling off his butt and i had to tighten it and i was like grab a hold of that bar and i tightened it so tight that it wouldn't fall off his rear end and suddenly i went from being guinevere you're my guinevere and suddenly i was hillary clinton (laughs) 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 so you just do what you got to do to make it work and it was, you know, you have all these really fun comedic moments. You have real moments where everybody's pissed off and hasn't eaten. And you got to get that that one scene in before you quit, you know. Or lunch is late. And it's funny. You become a family in those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and people who embrace those moments, it becomes such a beautiful thing on set. And you become reliant on one another to do your job. And you do it well, and you want to do it well because it's worth it. Right. And so you I mentioned don't know. you mentioned the food um, on a union set that it's all going to be timed out a lot more accurately. Yeah. The food is there. That's when you're going to eat. Now we're going to go back. You know, in, in Arizona on a non-union film, it's more like okay, the food's here. We'll eat in a minute. And it'll be a minute, <laughs> and then you never ever get to eat the food. And and I'm horrible. If food is when food is ready, I want to eat the food. Yeah. So I like that concept. You know. Um, but uh, some some sets, and I imagine you've experienced this. The food is is, thank God, there's something there. And other sets are like, this is really special. Yeah, yeah, I like the ones that. So most most indie like really really good indie films that I've done, we've all had food trucks, and food right. trucks are great. Like the people there are very accommodating, and they have really good food, and they have a vegan option and gluten free option, and and all those things. And then I remember whenever I used to do crappy sets, and they would just have, you know, they're like freaking pizza. What? You didn't bring a lunch with you. <laughs> I'm like, what the? Heck? Yeah, exactly. Like you didn't bring a lunch with you, but it was like pizza, and I'm like, bro, like. I would go up to the director or whoever is in charge of, you know, a lot of people do a lot. They wear a lot of hats on yeah. set on little ones. Oh, yeah. But it was funny because I would be like, do you think, oh, an actress who has worked so hard to keep her body wants to eat what you just brought to set? I mean, just think about the for just a moment. Just consider this. <laughs> so whenever I get on those kind of sets and I help out, I do, I do help out on those kind of sets, but I... I have a hard time working on those sets because they do work really long hours and then it ends up crappy anyway and you can't really use any of the footage and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, I do help out, but I won't be in it. And I'm like, you cannot put my name on it. Yeah. So I have like, you know, these things where I learned my lesson. I learned mm-hmm. it early. So I just, as an actress, as costumes, as anything, value yourself in this business and somebody else will value you. And once everybody stops doing things for free, nothing will be free anymore. And that's the thing that I learned the hard way. I did it free for a while and and then I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't get good footage. I didn't get experience. I got a crap credit on my IMDB that's really hard to get off. They don't just let you just take that crap off of there. And I've been begging them to take things off. <laughs> and value yourself so that other people can see you as value as well and then mm-hmm. everybody can get paid for their their countenance and their contributions and i think that once we get to that point instead of wanting to do it so badly that we're willing to put our time and our talents for free then everybody will be valued on set mm-hmm. that's great advice 
Yeah, that's the best piece of advice I can give to anybody and and never allow anything to stand in your way of your dreams because if something is embedded in you no matter what it is, you it was put there by someone else. Something else embedded that in you and and that's what you're supposed to do no matter what you're supposed to juggle in order to do accomplish it because I've had to juggle so much in my life and yeah. I've had to take so many forks to get here and and I still have so far to go and and we're never the best to our ability. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned so far to go. What do you got coming up? Coming up, you know what? I don't have anything set in stone yet. Uh, I have a couple of films next year that are being written specifically for me. So that's kind of nice. But so now's looking... a good time for people to reach out to you. Yeah, now is a very good time. And what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, you could actually, uh, on Instagram, Mercedes Life, through email, you can get it through my IMDb. Yeah, I'm very Facebook. connected through IMDb. So if you're legit and you're going through IMDb, you can reach me any way possible. My phone number's on there. My email's on there. And so uh, Facebook, definitely. I get a lot of jobs through Facebook. So I do. I appreciate the experiences. I, I am looking forward to any projects that come my way, and, and especially ones that are characters that are very diverse and real, and they live this amazing life with the ups and downs and the trials and I she love really wants characters. to do a comedic role comedic guys. roles yes. comedic lead. put me in coach like hey, do you think you'll ever uh, do any stand up I mean obviously if you just make people laugh all the time you're comfortable just <laughs> talking and telling jokes right or not jokes but making but doing funny I have a girlfriend who's like literally like I will pay you to do stand up I was like I don't know if I could do that it's really hard I, well you should try it I mean you don't have to do 90 minutes you can do 15 minutes you can do 10 minutes man I met David Spade and I was like dude I don't know how you did it he was like oh it was hard it was really hard and I was like are you still are you still friends with uh Kevin um oh what's her last name gosh it's um What's the funny comedic person? Uh, I have so many brain farts. I didn't eat enough today, obviously. <laughs> but uh, his best friend, who was that? That was in Tommy Boy. What's I his name? I remember. Dang, I know. On the spot, right? So anyway, he was like, go over and say hi to Kevin. He's right over there. And, and was, you know, I didn't see the movie. Was Kevin Hart in that? Or it's not Kevin that? Hart. It's actually uh, <clears throat> the lead Tommy, not, uh, Tommy Boy. Why am I forgetting this? That's okay. You don't have to pull it up. Anyway. Do you, know, do you know Jim Perry here in town? Jim Perry. I don't know Jim Perry. Because uh, he's a he's he calls himself the comic cop because he was a police officer before he became a comedian. So he has a lot <laughs> of cops. That's really stuff. cute. It is really funny. <laughs> and uh, I think he just opened an improv uh, studio here in town. So, oh, really? Yeah. I'm, we, I'm sure we can get Jim to put you up there oh for a Oh, my gosh. Minutes, I know. That would be. If, you know, if you'll do it, I'll do it. Oh, my gosh. If you, Okay. <laughs> okay, that's on. We're on like Donkey Kong. Let's do it, my friend. Uh, I just got myself in trouble. <laughs> uh, and we'll tell you, I'll give you all those details here on the Auto D Show sometime late 2022. Oh, 2025. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we are out of time. So thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. That flew by. And uh, I can't wait to see these new films that are coming out and see what happens. For You're you. a doll. Thank you so much. Right, take care. Thanks for being here. And you guys, thanks for listening tonight to the Auto D Show. We will not be on next week. We'll see you next year on the 4th. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.